Hey kiddos, welcome back to the Inner Dive podcast. This is Esther and it's actually just going to be Esther today, except for some dog sounds in the background. Thanks, River. Hey, yeah, nothing, nothing makes a dog itchier than being asked to be quiet for a little bit. But I can relate, so can't really fault him. So this week is the start of the new format for the podcast. It will be moving. We've just had a month full of guests and going forward, it's going to be two episodes a month. The first episode will be a solo episode. So just me on my own inner dive, talking about what I'm creating or what I'm recreating. And, you know, you, the usual contemplating self and what we're making of ourselves and with ourselves. And then for the second episode each month, that will be my synchronized dive, so to speak. And for that conversation, I'll be joined by a returning guest, Emma Lyles. After our conversation in episode six, we decided to make it more of a regular thing to share a conversation with you all. So we've made a standing date for the second episode of each month, and you can watch for that wherever you're listening to this. And this idea actually is a really beautiful, more grown-up version of an idea that we had when we were camped together in the Northwoods of Wisconsin last fall. And at that point, we thought it would be a conversation between us, but it would be in a letter format. So we'd be writing to the letters back and forth, like through our newsletter substack format. And those would be open to read, and it would just be a shared, a shared conversation, but in text form. And what we realized when we recorded that episode is, or after we recorded something, there was an epiphany for both of us where we realized we're both writing quite a bit already. And what really is a nice refresher for both of us is to have a actual, like, vocal, audible conversation and be able to hear each other and go as fast as we want to go with it and all the strange tangents that you can go to when you're in a live conversation versus waiting on a reply and then reading it. So that is the new plan. And also with going to the twice a month format, that leaves me more room for other projects, including my novel and my end of the year challenge, which I'll get into more in just a minute. Because believe it or not, it takes a lot of work to put out a podcast episode each week. <laughs> and if you don't have a team, if you're a, a one-man band like I am, then that is um, a lot of time investment at this point. I just I have other things that I am wanting to be invested in and getting returns on. But that said, I do appreciate those of you who have... Oh, big sigh, Wolf. <laughs> those of you who have given your feedback about enjoying the episodes that are out so far and the ones that have been helpful to you or that you've enjoyed. And I really, I appreciate knowing that they're being heard. <laughs> if you're speaking, it's nice to get a thumbs up that someone can hear you. So if you'd like to continue to support or support in other ways, I'm sure by now you know the drill of how that support can be shown. You can like, comment, share with your friends, anything that boosts the signal so that others who might enjoy this can find it and so that I also get the nudge that there is desire for it and that it's being received. 
And because I produce this podcast through my Substack, then becoming a paid subscriber there to my newsletter is another way that you're contributing to the ongoing mm, creation (laughs) of this podcast. And for updates and clips and shareable items, you can follow the podcast at The Inner Dive. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but don't look for me too hard <laughs> to really be there on Facebook. I It's pretty much a placeholder, those accounts. I do my best to not have to be in that space, and I can't justify why, but Facebook feels like even if there's people – if if there's people that I actually want to see, it feels like seeing them under halogen lights or something to see them on Facebook or to be seen on Facebook. Whereas Instagram feels more like visiting each other at our homes. I don't know why that's just how it feels to me. So therefore I, I smoosh as many things as possible from Instagram to Facebook so that the Facebook people can see it if they want to and not have to be on both platforms, but I myself try to not be on both platforms. So if you want to engage with me, Instagram DMs are a better shot than, uh, well, I say that. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, (laughs) it's a better shot. And it's also a place that I would be happier to have a conversation than being on Facebook. All right. That's all the housekeeping that I can think of for the moment. And now for the solo the solo dive this week i want to <laughs> tell you all about my long time novel and when i say long time i <laughs> let's see i conceived of the characters that like i mean everything nothing looks like it used to or started out as but another wolf sigh uh yeah but the character's early conception of them was happening when I was 15, let's say, and I am going on 40 decades. So if you'd like to do that math, it's a long time to have the personalities and the, the world of a story in your mind. And even like even saying that, however, the world of that story has changed as much as I have since I was 15 and changed with me was kind of a, always a work in progress and got to a place where I thought this is done. And I sent it to an agent and the agent actually, well, this is, this is all a wild story. Let me backtrack. So the novel had I had been rewriting it as I was learning different styles or reading people that I liked their styles. And so from 15 to, let's say, 23, age 23, I was pretty much just experimenting with it and through it. I was copying the voice of authors that I liked, and then I'd read somebody else I liked, and I'd try out the novel through their voice. And it wasn't my voice yet. And I would say right around my early 20s, all of a sudden, and I know I know what did it, <laughs> I went to Michigan for a family, uh, a family vacation at a cabin up in the woods there. And I wanted to learn fly fishing. And 
all of a sudden I looked at my novel and it just seemed so dry, like there weren't any rivers in it. And I was like, this isn't my novel. If it was my novel, it would have rivers in it. It would have a river. And so I added a river and all of a sudden there were woods and just the feeling, the feeling changed. It just felt like my own voice was coming out of me and not me imitating someone else's. And I actually hadn't put it together that the river is what, like putting a river into my book is what also led to me feeling like I was using my own voice until this moment. So <laughs> welcome to an, a live epiphany or it was live when I was recording it. Okay, so the river was put in. I found my own voice with the novel. Everything just felt like it deepened and became more, more of me that I was putting in it and less of me conjuring from other people's worlds. And that change happened in 2005, so 22. I was 22 then. Went through a very necessary and, uh, for my own evolution, heartbreak and wound up in England with the pages of a novel and of myself that I barely recognized or knew what to do with. And then there was just a night in England, and that would have been, what, 2000, probably early 2008, when I was just struck with the idea to quilt the pieces together. And I had kind of learned quilting over the last year and done my own kind of haphazard way of quilting, which I'm sure would horrify uh, true quilters. <laughs> but I had the same idea for the book because I had all of these versions and none of them were quite the right version, but also some of them had some good parts and, you know, how it goes if you have multiple iterations of something that you're working on. So I saw all these layers. I got my actual quilting scissors because those were the ones that I had on hand. And just started snipping apart all of these pages, cutting out lines, cutting paragraphs, and throwing away, like, every aspect of this was cathartic. There was the facing of all of these past versions, finding things you liked, and saving those, and finding the things you didn't like, and getting rid of those, and the cutting sound of the scissors, and then putting them the like things together like in the order that made better sense to you and or to me and then going from an absolute mess and chaos of all these scraps into that reordered version with its paper clips and post-it notes and all of that making order out of this chaos and I I actually can't remember if it, I just did that in a day or if it was spread over several days, but regardless of the time frame, it was transformational <laughs> uh, for me and for the book itself. I had a new idea of how I wanted to lay it out and kind of a very non-linear plan for it rather than, you know, starting at the earliest year and going to the later year in the story. I wanted to group things. <laughs> this is pretty ambitious but I wanted to group things by the seven elements of art so I was taking this family story and this kind of found family story and taking aspects of it that corresponded with line shape color uh, I can't value all of the all of the all of those elements of art 
and then attempting to make a fairly abstract work. And I did that. I felt that I had accomplished what I meant to do and in my own voice. And I thought, well, this is my novel. And what is the next step that I'm told you're supposed to do when you finish your novel is you send it to a writing agent or a literary agent. So I did that. And I can't recall for sure if I had queried anyone prior to this, but I was new. I was new-ish to the process, if not entirely new. But I wrote a query letter, and I think it might have even been back in the days when you mailed. I might have mailed a paper version of the first, whatever it was, 20 pages or something as a sample. And not only did I get a reply, I got a personal reply, and I got a positive reply, which now that I'm more aware of the industry and have listened to a lot of writing podcasts, I now realize is more of a rarity than I took it for at the time. And the agent who replied to me said that she was very intrigued by the premise and uh, that it had won her hard-won holiday attention. And if you think I didn't memorize (laughs) that line, you're crazy. I still remember it, however many years ago that was. Um, So it had her hard-won holiday attention, which meant she wanted the full manuscript and she was going to read it over Thanksgiving. This is all, it feels like I'm telling you someone else's life and it's wild that I haven't I haven't like this would be a a hype up for a lot of writers and I wound up taking this as an L so we'll get to that um she she read it over Thanksgiving and then when she got back to me um she said that said once again personal and positive things about it including like language use and you know uh I think she referred to the ambitious structure and to something about yeah there was praise of the language anyway so there are positive things and then the negative for her and for me was that I had attempted to pull all these things together but that it didn't really pull together in the way that she was hoping and she was going to pass on it and I think she even said something like she was a little nervous on passing because she'd had times when she had passed in the past and then kind of regretted it and seen that it was actually, you know, ahead of its time or whatever. And she just hadn't seen it. And so she'd missed out. I'm pretty sure that was even in the letter too. It was an old email and long ago in my email account history, but me in my still new heartbreak phase and rebuilding took all of that and fixated on the past took it as a loss, and shelved the manuscript. I didn't send it out to anyone else because I kind of just took it as, well, some authority figure has said it didn't work for her. I need to rework it, but I don't have the heart to right now, so I'm just going to put it back on the back burner. And when I look at that version of myself now, I mean, part of me wants to grab her by the shoulders and be like, buck up. Like, (laughs) that's mostly actually really good feedback There's an agent that could get it, keep going. But actually, the now me doesn't want to tell past me that, even though that encouragement would be true, because I wouldn't want to stop the development of me or of my novel. And both of us had some growing up to do. So I shelved the manuscript and putter around with other things for a period of time, next few years. And then I'm struck with the feeling that I should just kind of essentially set aside 
writing as a career, think of a different career and get educated for that. And that's my new idea of what I should do with my life. And so I decide nature, love it. I'll go study the environment and the environment, as <laughs> if you can just study the environment and they can give it to you in four years or whatever. Anyway, um, I'm going to go get a degree. And, but before I do, because there've been people invested and I can just, you know, basically take the pressure off. Like I'm not trying to make a career of this. So who cares? I will just write, like rewrite this novel or, you know, it wasn't rewriting it at that point. By the point that I was about to go to school, it was just finishing it and self-publishing it, um, giving it the last edit, basically, because I had rewritten it when I had returned to West Virginia after England, and I was just kind of in a cocoon and pretty isolated, didn't have a lot of friends. I was still in contact there and or wanted to be in contact with or however it was at the time. And so I, I, I basically wrote myself a little life raft and lived in my imagination for, uh, it, it felt like the story was just kind of being let out of me for, I think it was like three or four months, um, in a pretty solid stream. If any of that sounds gross, I just heard it too. So <laughs> anyway, I had rewritten it. So I had the main main completed manuscript um I just once again put it in a drawer I don't remember if I tried sending that one out and gotten rejections or if I just was still carrying the internalized rejection from my my age interaction with that agent whichever way it was I decided right before I went back to school that the people who had been invested like the people who knew me and knew I was writing this and who had read versions of it even some of them that I could release it at least for them so they could have it because I was tired of it being I was essentially tired of it being in a drawer or in my care it felt like other people might enjoy it more than I was enjoying it at this point that sounds a little bit more like I was tired of it it was more just like I I was tired of being alone with it I wanted it to be shared so I self-published and went back to school and it sold a little bit to people who knew me and a few people, a few people who didn't. And I basically did not market it here and there. I would mention it or talk about it, but I felt a certain amount of shame about self-publishing because it didn't feel as legit or like an authority figure hadn't told me it was good. And so I just, I was a little more reluctant to even think of myself as a writer because no one had crowned me basically and yeah so I, while I was back in school um <laughs> funny thing happened I got incepted with another novel and I'd always kind of thought that this was my one idea because I had been chewing that bone so long that I kind of thought well this is it once I let go of this I won't have any more. Yay, scarcity mindset. It crops up everywhere. And turns out, as soon as I let go of that occupying my space, more came in. So, little lesson there that is an ongoing one. And then the experience of that new novel coming in, or novels, I wasn't even sure how, how many or how much it was going to be, but I knew that it had first come in as a fantasy world that it felt like I was discovering. And that 
was taking up a lot of space. I'm making maps, there's languages, there's histories, there's mythologies. And so suddenly what I'm creating there is becoming way more interesting and also kind of pulling in everything that's happening around me, including, you know, chemistry classes are inspiring me to go write the novel. So I'm trying to like, you know, the irony of I'm going to try to pursue this other career, but while I'm trying to pursue that other career, the the passion career, like the career of my heart is still coming through. And yeah, between that and how disillusioned I was getting with the concept and experience of higher education, I just was drawn right back into that writing life. So that brings us up to the last decade where I've largely been working on cultivating and uh, refining the story from that fantasy world. But in the midst of that, I've had a few ideas of either doing a sequel or like um, I've released some little shorts of extra parts about the characters from that original novel, uh, partly because I've spent so much time with them that thinking as them or talking as them or how like having insights into scenes with them, it feels like another language uh, that I've become fluent in just by spending so much time with it. So if I'm looking to express an experience or an emotion, it's really easy to do through these characters that I know so well. So I played around with, you know, rewriting it or not so much with rewriting it. It was for a while, it was more that there was going to be a sequel was the idea. And then I gradually realized that when I was thinking as a story, the main part that I was thinking of was kind of the latter third or maybe the latter half of it, that there was a timeline that I really mainly thought of as the novel and that the earlier parts didn't really feel as, as vital to me. And readers of that original novel may well disagree. (laughs) Those copies that you have are yours to keep. And all I can say is that I decided to use my lack of getting it out there very widely as an opportunity to take it, snatch it back off the market and rework it into the expanded version of itself that I, that I see in it now. And part of that is even letting myself do something, which I don't know why, but for some reason I decided it was corny to have a made up town. You should have a real town. And so I put it in a real town, but the real town isn't even one I've ever been to. And also I don't think it actually fits what I was intending it to. And then it just feels strange if people are like, Oh, that novel. And you're mentioned my hometown. I'm like, never been there. Like I don't really like that overall especially because I cut out a town that I had invented and really liked in order to do that. And so I just decided for this version, I want to let their, I want to, I want to make my own little town because <laughs> I, turns out I really like making worlds and naming things. So I want to let myself be myself, which was actually, I think that particular epiphany about letting myself just do it the way I like it came after watching, I think it was the French dispatch. It was a Wes Anderson movie. I think it was the French dispatch. And I just realized like, you know, he very much has a style that is recognizable 
and it's very specific to him. It's tailored to what he likes and the colors and the angles and the, you know, the music and the style. Like, everything is so specific to him. And yet, I, I also really like it, specifically him, but I like how specific he lets himself be. And I think I'd had some sort of subconscious fear of my personality or style showing too much. <laughs> Wherever that came in, I just realized like, no, I should let myself tailor it as much as I want to tailor it. Like, just because, you know, maybe it isn't everyone's cup of tea to make up a town and draw the map and name the coffee shop and all that. But if I like doing that, there's actually a phrase that I came up with around this time that helped me a lot because I used to just kind of try to argue myself out of my gut desires for things or choices or whatever. And there, it would all of a sudden, like I would know what I'd want to do and then there would be this committee that was arguing my head and then I would just kind of decide like, well, I don't know how to get the PowerPoint to convince them to let me do this and now I'm just confused and tired and I just won't even try. Anyway, the phrase to help bypass that committee that worked really well for me was, we let her do what she wants. And I kind of pictured it, and I told friends at the time, I kind of pictured it as if you have, like, this staff that <laughs> I said, like, at a nursing home. And there's this, um, there's this uh, resident who putters around and kind of does weird things, but she's also harmless, and the staff knows that. And so they just say, oh, we let her do, she, we let her do what she wants. You know, that's just Esther. We let her do what she wants. And realizing that my intentions by and large, usually, are harmless. And it's really me arguing with myself about why I'm getting this kind of cheese instead of that kind of cheese and just tiring myself out needlessly when it's like, if that's what I want, just get that one. Like, I don't have to have a reason or a justification. And the same with writing, creating, any of that. I don't have to have a reason or a justification or, oh, I'm sure that someone else is going to like this. I can just like it and we can just let me do what I want. And I also have enough data by this point to show me that it usually works out really well when I do that, because even if I don't know at the time why I'm drawn to something or why something feels good, a lot of times it's kind of realized later and also experiencing that me being lit up, that is how I radiate to others. So, okay, we're up to re rewriting the novel. And now, also, rewriting some of the programs about how I want to release this into the world. And for a while, I thought that in order to rewrite my um, that rejection story and me just kind of giving up, and I needed to show persistence and just return back to the publishing world as it's as it the institution it is, and just you know get ready to query, get ready to you know, hopefully be signed with an agent and then, you know, find a publishing house, hopefully, and go through all of these gates and sequences and hoops. And then at the end of it, hope that you get a team that listens to your creative input because by golly, I've got some. And yeah, all of this. So you can already tell probably by the tone of how I'm putting this out there that I have changed again on that. And the shame and the stigma I used to have around the idea of self-publishing, now looking at self-publishing, it looks like letting me liberate my story 
in the same way that I, in the same way that I found my own voice, finding my own way of publishing and sharing that story with the world. And it's fairly predictable. I'm not much of an institution girl in general, but it took me a little bit to realize that actually publishing my own books and having my own little press sounds the best to me. And I don't crave Harper and Collins or one of the corporate entities slapping their endorsement on my book. That isn't, that, that doesn't even register as a feeling of affirmation to me anymore. It used to, but it doesn't anymore. And now it feels so much more empowering to think of seeing my own little emblem on the side of the spine of one of my books. So that's the intention is that um, this, this novel and my upcoming, my other works in progress when they're ready will be published under my own, my own company. So that's a kind of little side announcement wedged into the center of this. So if you're listening, that was a little extra slice of cheese on the sandwich. And that leads us up to uh, the episode of this podcast where I was talking with my writing group and we spontaneously gave each other the challenge to finish a version of our novels uh, by the end of this year. So that is the novel I chose because it feels far more doable than finishing the fantasy work in that amount of time. And yeah, that's, that's the current status of the novel formerly known as The Chosen Road, The Seven Elements, Under the Living, The Watched Fall of Sparrows, and is now known as Three Turns of the River.